On this episode, Michelle Ely joins us to discuss Crisis doing some Smallville casting, the Primetime Emmy Awards having some interesting ratings, and there's some weird AI-generated faces that I'll tell you about. Plus, we're going to talk about all the TV premieres that we're looking forward to and some that we're not. This and more in this week's show. I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and I'm pleased to say that Chris Farrell is here again this week. I'm here because you can't get rid of me no matter how much you try. That's because of a thing called a contract. But we're also pleased to say that Michelle is here this week by choice. Yes, I know. It's not Stockholm Syndrome or anything like that. I'm, I'm here by choice. <laughs> Michelle, we are so happy to have you on here this week. And last week, I teased this episode because this is truthfully one of my favorite episodes that we do every year. I'm glad that it's become an annual tradition. I think this is at least the third year, if not the fourth. Super excited for this. And we are this week going to talk all about the upcoming TV premieres and some of the things that we're looking forward to and maybe some of the things we're not so much looking forward to. I have a history of choosing the wrong thing, like the time that I said that Inhumans was going to be fun. So we're going to have a ton of fun this week on this show here. As fun as watching Inhumans? You know what? Almost that fun. Almost. Almost. We're setting the bar real low this week for fun, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, for those listeners and viewers who might be checking us out for the first time this week, uh, why don't you take a moment here to tell everybody where they can usually find you? Well, on the Go to Geek uh, Network, I am a co-host for the Starly Tribune and an agent for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., our, our Marvel podcast. I'm also part of a... Uh, gaming stream uh, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern um, riffs, and then Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern called Stars Asunder, and those are on the Welcome to the Party Network. Well, we're pleased to have you on this here because you are in high demand. You're all over the place now, and uh, I, I personally, I think, had to bribe your agent to get you on this show. So that's how it got you on here. I know the check just cleared. <laughs> well, she gets paid and I don't. I want, I've been here so long, Stephen. Why don't I get paid yet? You said I had a contract. I've never seen it. So who signed it for me? Is what a first question is. You know what? Like, the reason why? The reason why is because. Was that a good enough reason for you there, Chris Farrell? <laughs> My agent's going to hear all about this, and you're going to have a letter of official complaint sent to you within the next, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes. That's okay. I'm, I'm used to you sending things my direction, such as Hitman. Uh, I dodged a couple of those a couple of times from you. Wait, what? Y that wasn't you? 
That wasn't you. You didn't that send That was it? SP. That was SP, not me. Okay. You might want to lock your doors. Moving on to the news here. Let's go ahead and get to some crisis news. Chris Farrell, you've been itching to talk about this this week on this show. I know you talked about it on the Starling Tribune a few days ago, but you've been wanting to talk all about it on this show this week, right? That's true. And it has evolved since we last talked about it on the Starling Tribune. But if you've been watching the CW superhero TV shows that are all set in the DC universe, you know they are gearing up for what is arguably one of the biggest comic crossovers of all time brought to the small screen. That is Crisis on Infinite Earths. And in the comics, it's where literally multiple Earths are brought together for some cataclysmic battle where everything is then resolved and put back together in one single Earth. You have instances of multiple Supermen, multiple Flashes, things like that. So there's a lot of fun that can be had here. And this, I guess, winter time frame spanning over into the early January time frame is the Crisis on Infinite Earths, a five-part crossover on pretty much all of the CW television shows. Where it gets interesting is it's, it's important. They've brought in a lot, a lot of guest stars, guest stars we may not have expected. Now, there are also rumors of guest stars that I don't imagine are going to pan out. One specifically people keep saying is Mark Hamill is going to appear as the Joker. Don't believe them because websites reporting them are websites that are wrong more often than not. So nothing official is out there on there yet. And there's really only two places reporting it and their track records. Not so great. But we do know some of the other stars that are going to appear in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So here's some of the stuff we knew before big casting news dropped last week. Burt Ward, yes, Robin from the 1960s Batman TV show, has an unrevealed role at this time in Crisis on Infinite Earths. We don't know if he's going to be a retired Dick Grayson or if he's going to just be in some other role, but there as Burt Ward. We're not sure, but what a pull is that to go to the 1960s Batman to bring in Burt Ward? I'm excited. If Adam West was still alive, I'm sure they would have gone after Adam West as well. And I kind of get the feeling that Adam West would have been totally on board with appearing in some capacity in this crossover. I totally agree. And I think that that's pretty evident by all of the different uh, Batman nods that he did during Family Guy's run. Uh, definitely, I think that he absolutely would have been. <laughs> yeah, that is true. He did do a lot of funny stuff in his Family Guy run. So did Carrie Fisher, actually, too. That's true. Two characters you won't see on Family Guy anymore. So what's the but... big news? What's the big news for Crisis? Well, before we get to the big news real quick, we also have some other stuff just so people are aware to describe how interesting it is. Brandon Routh, who plays Ray Palmer or the Atom in Legends Tomorrow, he will also be playing the role of Superman from the Kingdom Come comics. So there's one Superman in here. Oh, yeah. And Tyler Hoechlin, who plays Superman in the Supergirl, will be reprising his role as Clark Kent slash Kal-El, as well as Elizabeth Tulloch will return as Lois Lane, his wife. And uh, some of the most interesting casting news, and I think we might have talked about it on this show, Kevin Conroy, and if you grew up like me in the 90s, 80s and 90s, and watch the Batman cartoon show, that name should be familiar because he's the voice actor who's played Batman since 1992 in pretty much every incarnation of the Cape Crusader. He will have a role in Crisis on Infinite Earths as Bruce Wayne, his first time playing Batman slash Bruce Wayne in live action. That's really cool. How awesome is that, that you can get a voice of Batman to join this crisis as like a actual character? How awesome is that? It's pretty amazing, man. It's pretty amazing. Plus, I also heard that Chris Farrell also is going to play his famous DC Comics role of Jim Carrey's version of the Riddler. That was actually Chris Farrell. That was Chris Farrell playing Jim Carrey as the Riddler. 
Well, you know, I when I was in third grade, I had to make my own superhero for some uh, something in our health class, and I did make my own hero called Hyperman, who had his hyper signal and all sorts of things. And his superpower was he ate sugar and could overcome the evil of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I think I still have this somewhere where I actually illustrated it for this class project. I'm pretty sure that 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 was Batman's arch nemesis through the 70s, wasn't it? I'm sure it would be. I'm sure it would be. So let's get into the news they have announced for Crisis. The big thing that dropped last Thursday, right before we recorded the Starling Tribune, and it was announced by Mark Guggenheim and then officially unveiled via Deadline and a variety of other reputable sources, is that they have signed Tom Welling to reprise his role as Clark Kent slash Superman. You know, the guy that played Clark on Smallville for 10 years. He's coming back. His first reappearance as as Clark slash Kal-El since the show ended, what was it, 2011, I want to say the show was wrapped, or 2012? It's a big get. It's something a lot of fans wanted to see, and he's coming back. And I'm geeking out, man, because we touched on this in the Starling Tribune. I grew up, and Smallville was my superhero TV show when I was growing up that I would watch. I remember when I was in college, my college roommates, we bought a VCR for cheap at a thrift store, and I had night calculus class one semester, and they would go push record on the VCR to record Smallville for me so I could watch it when I came home from class. So like high school and college, Chris, going on to adult graduated from college, Chris, watched this show. I grew up with it. So seeing Tom Welling return to this role that I know him so well in, I'm super excited. I never actually watched Smallville that much. I watched some episodes. I actually, I've commented on here before that I wanted to do a watch some point and I felt like I should. And now I feel really guilty because I really feel like I should have watched before, before crisis. However, I did. I do remember watching. I think I watched half of the last season. I definitely watched the finale. I most definitely did because we were talking about it probably on the fanboy buzz at the time or whatever. Right. Cause that was what, how many years ago that was, when did that end? 2011 is when it wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I remember I was like, yeah, I really should watch this. And I never went back and watched and, that's probably because I was a little opposed to the whole teen drama type shows at the time. I remember being like, I can't watch teen drama shows. I never got into the OC either. So there you go. I know. missed that, that train. T- to be fair, this show became less teen drama-y when the original showrunners left it around season seven time frame. And it became more of a superhero TV show. Well, now I feel terrible. I feel absolutely terrible. But some of those early episodes... Age well, I rewatched them on like HD net when they were rebroadcasting uh, Smallville episodes when I first got my HD TV when I graduated college. It didn't age well, and that was only a few years removed from when they came out. Uh, yeah, now that now they might be a little rough. I'm sure there's a guide for what episodes you should and shouldn't watch that are essential watching. There's some that certainly aren't. You know what I really, really now want to see. I actually really don't, but I, I'm going to play this up like I am. So you know what I really, really want to see is, uh, of course, some Terry Hatcher and uh, Dean Kane. Just round it all off there. Just hashtag you know, bring them. I like that idea. And that was one of the things I was going to bring up at the end is your wish list of people you wanted to appear. But the big news that was funny because we were talking on the Starting Tribune as we recorded this. Oh, who are some of the other names you wanted to see come back for the crossover? And the name I'm about to give you was one of the first ones that came up and it was officially confirmed. I want to say Friday afternoon that Erica Durant is returning to be in the <gasps> crossover for crisis, not as a Laura excuse me, Cara Zor-El's mother, but as Lois Lane from Smallville. So we'll have a Lois and Clark Smallville reunion 
on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Her first time playing that role since 2011 as well. Okay, so let's get to a couple of points on here. Number one, for Number a very, one. very, very long time, I have been saying that pretty much as soon as they brought in Brandon Routh, they could definitely bring in anybody. And people were at one point, even after this was announced about Tom Welling coming in, dismissing the fact that I was like, well, let's bring in Dean Kane. And people were like, well, you can't because he's already in there. And then I loved that they ended up bringing in Erica Durant because she already is on Supergirl and has played a character on there. So how awesome is that? That uh, they're just like, nope, everything can play as we want to play it because it is the multiverse and we will do whatever we want to bring people in. And I love that concept because this is now so, this is multiple people, multiple actors and actresses who are playing multiple roles in this crossover. And it just opens up the opportunity, not just for this year, but for any other time that we might potentially want to see some people reemerge and whatnot. And, and also the second thing that I want to acknowledge right here is remember this whole thing, this whole thing started off really with a Justin Hartley green arrow tease. If you remember, there was the original teaser for last year's crossover. You saw his costume as the green arrow. This, this whole, well, this whole thing really started with that. And I love you, it. You also saw John Wesley's ship in his costume as the flash from the 1990s in that teaser as well. I'm talking about the Smallville tie-in. The whole, okay. the whole Smallville thing really started there. I, I, I think that we didn't have any other nods to Smallville until that point because the actual crossover music was after that tease, right? Yes, where they actually went to the Kent farm mm -hmm. that we saw in Smallville and played part of Remy Zero's Somebody Save Me when they transitioned to it. Because if you watch Smallville, that song is imprinted upon your <laughs> brain because you heard it 22 times a year for 10 years. Here's the thing. I mentioned this. I barely even watched that show. And even I, whenever I hear that, know exactly. Like, I, I picture the intro. I don't know why. Maybe just because, like, I did watch the intro a few different times. I don't know. But, like, I instantly picture the intros. And, and I've barely watched Smallville. So that's how powerful that truly is. Michelle, you've been quiet here. How excited are you? I am so excited that Tom Welling is back. I loved his run on Lucifer. So he is still on top of his acting game. And he still looks good. I'm just so happy. I do have a wish list as well. I have names on mine. I know I, in the chat, people are talking about Alice and Mac because of she can't come back for legal reasons. Someone yeah. else who can't come back for legal reasons is Sam Jones III, who played Pete Ross. Yes. So yeah. those are those are two people that, yeah, we wouldn't mind seeing, but they got in trouble, so we won't. Can I just say, and, and I know this isn't going to happen because we absolutely would get this leak because anything filmed in Vancouver leaks. Well, pretty much anything. Would it not be awesome to have Michael Rosenbaum? Because I, I do remember... Michael Rosenbaum's Lex. Lex, of course, Lex. See, I want to see him come as Wally West because he was the voice of Wally West in the Justice League cartoon, just like Kevin Conroy was the voice <laughs> of Batman. How cool would that be for just a subversion of what we're expecting? Be like, oh no, Michael Rosenbaum's here, not as Lex, but as Wally West. You know, I wish that I had a way that I could actually rewatch Smallville and like find out how many minutes, like see if I could really realize how many minutes I, I have I've seen because... I know I have not watched that many complete episodes, but I know that I've definitely seen him as Lex. 
So I don't know if I was channel surfing or what it was, but I know that I have. And I, I just think it would be awesome. I think it'd be great. And okay, back to the whole Justin Hartley thing. Um, it would be interesting to see that Green Arrow come in because the whole Arrowverse started from Green Arrow. But do you think that uh, they've got This Is Us money to pay him? I don't think they do. No, that, that's the problem. Is He's a little busy making a... how many? What's the ratings on This Is Us? It's something ridiculous. I don't think that NBC is going to work around the shooting schedule for a CW show to let Justin Hartley come back for a few days. So, <laughs> And it'd be tough to do because, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Smallville, in the end... Chloe and Oliver get married. So how do you bring him back and have him not reference his wife at all? Because you don't want to touch on the fact that the actress that portrays Chloe is in legal issues and you just don't want to touch on that at all. It's called a divorce, Chris Farrell. I guess. That's the way I they guess. always write off these characters. <laughs> I guess. So that I did have my own list of people I wanted to come back. Uh, Stephen had mentioned Justin Hartley. He also mentioned Michael Rosenbaum. Um, a couple other ones I had on my list. I'd like to see Elena Huffman return, who played the Black Canary in Smallville, because then we could have more canaries for the crisis, which I think would be a lot of fun. And also, I just thought of this one. I didn't watch Gotham, but I would love to see Ben McKenzie show up as Jim Gordon in this crossover, just so they could connect the Gotham universe. I don't want the kid that played Bruce Wayne and then had a crappy Batman suit in the end to show up in here because his Batman suit sucks. All right, before we turn it over to Michelle for her, who she wants to see, I'll go ahead and just go deep into the uh, Smallville ether. And, uh -oh. and I've only ever like really seen the clip of this because I remember hearing when this was cast. Uh, well, I'd like to see the Smallville version of Lightning Lad come back only because the actor is a guy that uh, grew up in my fair city and oh, I yeah. personally know. So there you go. Br bring back Lightning Lad. <laughs> I forgot they did do. Oh, wow. They could actually do that. That, that was what was so impressive about Smallville is like they swung for the fences on random DC character that's going to show up this week and had just weird, crazy stuff. And it worked. It was fun. Michelle, who's on your wish list of people you'd like to see, especially considering not just Smallville, but the fact that like we have multiple people playing multiple characters reach into the ether. Well, first, when it comes to Mark Hamill, I would rather see him as the trickster instead of the Joker, because I love his trickster in uh, the Arrowverse when he comes on Flash. That would be my preference. Digging into the Smallville uh, hole here, Annette O'Toole as Martha Kent. Ooh, yes. And, of course, Cassidy Freeman, who was Tess Mercer, but found out to be Lena Luthor. Then we would have two Lenas. <gasps> nice. Nice. I like that idea. Nice pull. And, you know, from... Oh, gosh, the Gotham thing seems kind of fun. If we're going to go that way, their penguin, he was just awesome. Robin Taylor. Oh, what was his last name? Robin Lord Taylor. Robin Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Lord Taylor. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even uh, think of that. I love that idea, Michelle. That would be fantastic. Because him just coming on and just doing a little like over dramatic what is this or this is my gotham it's something like that it was just because gotham look after season one it's like they got the right to just go bat bleep crazy and they mm -hmm. did and it became wonderful i know steven and i are like the champions of gotham on this network it's so worth it. It's worth it. 
I like that idea. That's a solid idea. And you know, at this point here, I'll take I'll take honestly whoever from whatever franchise they want to pull in. I love the idea of them just going and, and bringing it all as as canon. Because then who knows where it goes in the future. I'm, I'm totally okay with as many appearances from as many different shows that are within the DC Comics properties as, as we want. And I know we won't get anything from the movies, so let's be clear on that. But if they wanted to give a nod to any of the movies, be okay with that too, even if it was just in passing. Uh, I can't wait to see this. And this was a really good announcement. And it, it's one that really, 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 need, uh, in my opinion, needed to happen because of the Smallville tease. I know I mentioned that the last time we talked about this whole idea, but I think the, the way they really locked it into that Smallville tease with the crossover last year, this needed to happen. So that's awesome. Uh, while we were chatting about this at Geeks.Live, we do run a live poll when we stream this live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern. We like to have polls throughout the show. And I asked, did you ever watch Smallville? And we had 29% say they watch regularly. 14% said they watch sometimes. 29% said only seen a few episodes. And 29% said I've never watched Smallville. And that's bouncing all over the place, including right now where that switched to uh, 38% for watching regularly and 25 and 25 for the last two options. So that's awesome. Uh, looks like uh, lots of people did watch Smallville who are watching this show live. All right, let's move on to the next news point here, which is all about the primetime Emmys. Michelle, what have you dug up with the primetime Emmys this time? Well, the Emmys were last night and I wanted to go over some of the winners. Game of Thrones won drama series again. It's its last season, so not a lot of people were surprised. One of the things that I really enjoyed was Billy Porter winning lead actor as Pray Tell from Pose. First, I love Pose. I know it's not a geeky show, but it's wonderful. He is the first openly gay African-American actor to win the award. In fact, he's the first actor to even be nominated in the category. Um. And then supporting actor in a drama series, Peter Dinklage as Tyrion Lannister, not a big surprise. What's interesting is that he won for a fourth time, and that's a record. And I don't know if any of you watched the good movie, bad video game called Bandersnatch on uh, Netflix. I liked it. Mm -hmm. It won for TV movie. You know, I enjoyed it. I heard um, it was interesting and I heard it was unique. I just, I never got around to it because I have a problem, not with that, just in general, that I've got too much stuff I need to watch. So those things like, oh, I need to watch it. I put it on my list on Netflix and then I forget about it. And there's so much other stuff there. I never find it again. Maybe I should go watch. I've never watched it myself. I found it to be an interesting experience. Now, here's the thing. Did I actually watch the show? Nope. No. And nope. nope. <laughs> no. Me neither. And this means I'm part of the problem because the meaty part of this section is that the Emmy ratings sink to an all time low. The 71st Primetime Emmy Awards delivered an all time low in the ratings, marking the sixth straight year of decline for TV's biggest night. Per Nelson Fast Finals, Fox's Sunday night telecast drew 6.9 million total viewers, along with a 1.6 demo rating, down 33% from last year when NBC hosted the ceremony on a Monday. Compared to the Emmy's most recent Sunday outing, 
2017 on CBS and facing Sunday Night Football, the numbers were down 39 and 35%. Adding to the injury, the 2019 Emmys on Fox fell 34.5% in the first round ratings from the last time the Emmys were on the Murdoch-owned net back in 2015 with Andy Samberg hosting. Oh, this is not surprising to me. It seems like award shows in general are quickly, quickly losing their audience. And I don't know, is is part of it because there's a lack of production put into them anymore? Like they also did the host list this time. Uh, the Oscars did host list for different reasons. This one was by choice. And I don't know, is it just a lack of care or is the lack of care because people don't care? I don't know. I think the Golden Globes are the ones that people really want to see because everybody shows up drunk. That seems like that's, that's the appeal to that one. Well, I mean, the problem is it takes so long to watch everyone pat themselves on the back when you could do something else, get a recap of the Emmys in like 10 minutes when you read a news article and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. And in today's culture, anything you miss that you should see, someone's going to tweet a video of it or put it on Facebook so you can see all those can't miss things. You don't have to sit through the boredom of it. And let's be honest, what made them fun in the past to an extent wasn't necessarily the people winning. It was the people hosting and like the show they put on around it. Like remember when Conan O'Brien used to host it back in the day and they had like the really funny intros where he'd put himself in like 12 different TV shows beforehand. Like Dr. House would diagnose him with stuff and he'd, then he'd be in an SNL skit. They don't do the fun stuff anymore. And like, I don't understand how they did it this time around with no host. What's your connective tissue to move stuff along? Granted, Maybe they had voiceover work or something, but it seems boring. And I just don't care about most of these award shows. I mean, sometimes I watch the video game awards. That's about it. I, I, uh, I don't really get why people would be so obsessed with with awards. Like they're just meaningless things that that who, who really care? Who really care, cares? Do the Emmys make people pay for their own trophies? Sorry, I was I was too busy polishing my my gunnageek.com show award. I didn't hear what you uh, said. Sorry. Good point. Take, you know, expanding on that idea, Chris, Billy Porter's speech was wonderful. And I know this because I somebody linked it and I watched it and it's a beautiful speech. So go online, Billy Porter Emmy speech and you'll watch it. It's amazing. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> and I think part of the problem is there's a lot. There are shows that one that I never heard of, like, I don't know what Fleabag is. And. I just don't know. And I think this, I haven't found, I found a last article that I put in here. Truth Bomb, a broadcast show hasn't won Best Drama in 13 years. Case in point, ABC, CBS, The CW, Fox, NBC, and PBS this year accounted for 23% of all nominations, then went on to grab just 14% of the awards. That's 18 out of 132 Emmys. The most recent broadcast winner of Best Drama was 24 back in 2006. Wow. The last time there were multiple broadcast noms was in 2011. That was Friday Night Lights and The Good Wife. And the last thing, from 2012 to 2016, zero broadcast shows were nominated for Best Drama. Do you say zero? Yes. Wow. That's insane. I think that was the Breaking Bad era. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. That yeah, it was cable, not necessarily streaming, but cable shows that were 
you had Mad Men, Breaking Bad, things like that. Because remember, Mad Men racked up a lot of those wards, just like Breaking Bad. And that doesn't surprise me because I think we've talked about on this show before. You can get away with a little bit more when you're on cable. You can be a bit more scandalous. You can get into some darker areas. You can have a little bit harsher language that broadcast television doesn't necessarily have. And there was also the time that seemed like broadcast kind of went, oh, people are watching these harder harder edge shows. Let's go reality and garbage game shows a lot more often, which is still a bunch out there. There's some reality shows that are just absolute hot garbage. I do have a bit of a question here because kind of going down this whole path of, you know, relevancy and things like that. Um, I thought that everybody said that the Game of Thrones season series finale season really, really, really sucked. I thought that was the consensus was that it sucked. Doesn't matter, man. The machine always wins. Yeah, I know. That's that's the my point right there. Because I don't know. It seemed like most people that I talked to said that they didn't like it. Now, I personally have not really watched Game of Thrones, so I'm not going to say that it did. But I've just had a lot of people tell me that. So it's interesting to me if a lot of people who watched it thought it sucked, yet it it's award winning. Yeah, that's fair. I think the thing that I saw that won that that I recognized went, oh, that's pretty cool, was that John Oliver's last week tonight won for the fourth year in a row in its category. It's been on the air four years. Ever since he put his show out, he's won the award for whatever category it was. And that I went, oh, that's pretty cool. And to be fair, I'm biased because part of the reason I have HBO still is to watch last week tonight with John Oliver. All right, well, let's go through the panel here. Uh, We all agreed we didn't watch the Emmys. I think we made that clear here. We did not watch them. Do we, in general, out of the three of us, ever watch award shows? For me, I usually watch them if I happen to be channel surfing when it's on live. Like, there's not much going on, and it's rare for me. Or I hear there's going to be something really neat happening. Those are kind of the only two situations. Other than that, I don't don't really watch award shows. I used to really be into the Grammys for a while. I thought there were some really neat performances, but it's probably been 10 years or so since I was really into those. How about you, Chris? Like I mentioned earlier, I'll occasionally passively watch the video game awards when they're doing it, which means I'm playing around on my tablet or playing a video game of some kind while it's on. And I will look up when something pulls my attention into place. But really, the last awards show that I watched and actually gave a crap about was the GunnaGeek.com awards shows. <laughs> How about you, Where Michelle? we won That's award-winning GunnaGeek.com show. <laughs> true. Uh, Michelle, how about you? Do you watch any? I don't really watch any of them live anymore. I last year, I no this year I recorded the Oscars and I just fast forwarded through a lot of things. I don't really want to watch people walk up to the podium. And I know it's a special moment, but you know, you think especially the Oscars come at the end of a very crowded season. You get like the SAG Golden Globes, SAG Awards, Writers Guild Awards, Director Guild Awards. And by then, it's like because you have all the Guild Awards and the SAG, you pretty much kind of know who's going to win the Oscars. And it's just like, why? Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. And with the Emmys, it's just some of it is we have, we're in an era of we have a lot. And it just seems as though like our generation who was younger, we had no geeky TV. We had no geeky anything. And now we have all the geeky stuff. There is a bountiful selection. 
And like, to me, it's like, why wasn't The Expanse nominated? I think The Expanse is one of the best television shows out there or ever. Why wasn't, you know, why wasn't that recognized? Yeah, it becomes like we we see quality in other different spaces and we're just like, why don't they have a seat at the table? I agree with that. And I think that there is really some progress that needs to be made with the whole consideration for the applicable awards and whatnot, because you do have a lot of critics and whatnot that are involved with many of these awards that have the older school thinking. And I don't always fault them for that as well, because the distribution model has has just blown up with the way that things can be distributed. And there has to be a line somewhere at some point. Now, does that line need to move? I think it absolutely does need to move. But the problem is where that line sort of is right now. You exclude a ton of content and a a ton of people. So we're sitting here looking at things like The Expanse saying, why was that not nominated? But that's sort of out of their wheelhouse and whatnot. And maybe it needs to get into the wheelhouse, right? Like, I think that there's there's a lot of evolution that needs to happen before these awards really become a little bit more relevant, in my opinion, to what a lot of the general public does watch. You got to remember, though, the stuff that we like isn't necessarily the stuff that the general public does like as much. I mean, it's criminal that Battlestar Galactica could win a Peabody Award, but could not even get a nomination for any of these other shows at some point in time. Tell me, honestly, that Edward James Olmos or Mary McDonald didn't deserve an award. They were phenomenal on that show. Fair enough. Uh, as we were talking about this at Geeks.Live, I did end up putting a poll on there. I asked, do you watch any award show? And we had nobody say they watch them regularly. We had 20, <laughs> 25% say they occasionally watch them. 20% said, I never watch them. And 60% said, I hate award shows. So there you go. I love our chat room. <laughs> I love our chat room so much. You know, I'll say that I don't, I'll say I dislike most of the award shows. Uh, I don't necessarily hate them, except for the podcast awards. I hate those. Uh, Moving on to the next news point here. Let's talk about some CGI stock faces. Yes, CGI stock faces is a thing. And this is something that I came across today and I or yesterday I wanted to talk about. There's a website called Generated Photos, which has made 100,000 photos free for public use without requiring any explicit permission or any copyright issue. So why is this news? Well, these 100,000 photos are computer generated. They're not real people at all. This is helpful for content creators and web designers and other artists and professionals that are looking for royalty-free database for use. And again, these are not real people. They're all 100% computer generated. Now, While I was researching this article, I actually came across another website, which this is not photos you can use. These are different. But if you go to generated.photos, that's generated.photos, there is a randomly generated photo that will display when you go there. And I was kind of clicking through these and I was like, holy cow, this technology is amazing because a lot of them look fairly convincing. When you're enlarged, not as much. There's a couple of things. It looks a little artsy and whatnot. But if you were to shrink it down, it's very convincing as a real person. But why did I want to bring up this whole royalty-free thing? Well, we've talked a little bit about computer-generated faces before. Video is still making a little bit of progress. I think that's what we talked about last time. But these photos look really convincing. And I thought it was quite impressive to see the technology has evolved so much so that we could have just this made-up person that looks like a real person. 
The other thing as well is the technology seems to cover a variety of different types of body types. It's not just trying to make them all look like supermodel. It looks like just Joe and Jane averages. It's quite impressive, this, the vast variety of types of people that will be or that can be made with this technology. And the other thing as well that I think is really interesting is the concept of where do we go with stock models and royalty-free just sort of stock footage in the future? Are we going to have people who are our actual models for products or are they just going to computer generate it now? Like It'll be interesting to see where the future is for this sort of stuff because it is getting very, very convincing. And maybe if we're looking for a runway model or somebody who's moving and talking, that might be one thing. But for somebody sitting in your Sears catalog, I use Sears because they're bankrupt and they won't sue me for using their name. Uh, Sears catalog, maybe we just use computer generated imagery now. It's pretty impressive. And if you want to check this out, you can go ahead and do that. I'll have the link in the show notes at guinegeek.com. But yes, generated.photos is... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I said that wrong earlier. Generated.photos is the one where you can download the free ones. If you go to thispersondoesnotexist.com, that's the random page. I'm sorry. I messed that all up. Thispersondoesnotexist.com is the one that is not royalty-free generated.photos is the royalty-free one. So both of those there will be in the show notes at gunnageek.com. Go ahead and check those out. It's really, really interesting. Michelle, are you creeped out by this? Very. <laughs> this, is, this is what's interesting. is like we have an older generation who doesn't... Like, I have got family members who, whenever they see something on Facebook, they just think it's true. They don't check it out. And unfortunately, we also have other, you know, my age and younger. They don't verify things. They, they just take it at face value. And being able to recreate someone and have them say something, I, it's just, uh, it's dangerous. It needs to be, there are movies and books about this. I mean, it's like we, we've had these warnings all these years. It's, I don't understand, but we need to be careful. I agree because the thing is, obviously, creating a random person isn't a little bit different than creating somebody that exists because there's differences because you're kind of comparing somebody to somebody with the latter. But these random people are so convincing that you know that it's just getting better and better. And especially if it's going to be a situation where they're presented further away and you're not clear on. Because, like, let's be honest, a lot of that leaked footage and things that you see, it's not somebody right in front of them going, hey, look, this is leaked footage. I'm holding a camera right in front of their face. No, like genuine leaked footage is somebody across the bar being lippy, somebody across the set beating the crap out of somebody, whatever it is, right? Leaked stuff is, is never close by. And so all of those problems go away when you are recreating footage, because generally that person's going to be away and you don't have to worry about just the close-up detail. When you look at things like the things I was just talking about, they're close-up pictures and they're very convincing. So like, this is scary. I agree totally, Michelle, 100%. How about you, Chris Farrell? Are you happy that you're going to be able to leave the GunnaGeek.com show but still keep your seat soon enough? I think this is fascinating. I think there's a difference between this and what is called the deep fakes, where you can basically take a bunch of imagery of someone and assemble a video of them saying something. There's been examples they've shown of deep fakes of like making president Obama speeches. He never made That's scary. That's strange, but being able to create random people and so convincingly 
that's interesting. And I think there's potential for entertainment purposes, for gaming purposes and stuff like that when it comes to building NPCs in game. I'm intrigued by it. While we were talking about that, I did run a poll at Geeks Alive, and I asked, what do people think of the AI-generated faces? And we had 33% say that they loved the idea that technology is awesome. Another 33% said, it's okay, I guess. And the last 33% said, die AI. AI is going to take over the world. So apparently, 33% of our audience will no longer live once the AI takes over. (laughs) That's the way it's going to go. Damn. (laughs) And let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment. Here we go. It's time for the fun talk. It's talking TV premieres. Now, before we get into this segment, I want to go ahead and highlight like I generally do when we do this that Michelle Ely has done the legwork on this. Michelle has collected a bunch of information on some premieres, and we are looking forward to talking about these, but I wanted to thank Michelle for all of your hard work on this. I really appreciate that, Michelle. Oh, no problem. I enjoy finding the right article and the right information to share. Well, let's go ahead and have you run us through some of the premieres that we have coming up this year in the TV series, some of which may uh, be kicking off right now as we record this on Monday, September 23rd. There might just be some some TV shows right now. I started with September 25th because it is close to this air date. Premiering on the 25th of September, we have Stumptown, which is ABC, the new drama series starring Colby Smulders, who you know as uh, from S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, she's the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Maria Hill. So she's got her own TV show. And Stumptown is also uh, based on a comic book of the same name. Uh, On CBS, we have Survivor, which starts season 39. Now, keep in mind, Survivor does like two seasons a year. So it hasn't hasn't been on the air for 39 years. Kind of feels like it, but it's been more (laughs) like 19 years. But the thing is, even if it was on for 39 years, Jeff Probst would look exactly the same because he has had so much work done. I mean, what? I know he's like the reality TV version of Patrick Stewart. It's amazing. (laughs) Or he has a very good surgeon. One of the two. Wow. Well, he can afford it. (laughs) True. We next have season two of The Masked Singer on Fox. I liked season one. It was fun. I couldn't believe I I actually got T-Ping correct and i could not believe i did that it was just amazing i didn't watch the mask singer i will say that i regretted not watching it because i heard about some of these things even though i heard that actually like the panel of people are really annoying and really terrible uh the concept there was a couple things that came out of that i thought oh that's interesting then we have on comedy central south park in season 23 yes And It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on FX. Season 14, I had no idea, has been 14 years. Both those last two shows, hilarious. I cannot wait to see what South Park does when they come back. The only problem is we get like eight episodes of South Park in a season. So, Can I admit something? Admit. Probably count on both hands the amount of South Park episodes I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that show. You know, and I haven't even watched the movie. I've watched Blame Canada, 
I have had it sang to myself many, many times by people like Chris Farrell, but that's about it. I have seen the movie. <laughs> Chris is looking shifty eyes right now, by the way, for those audio listeners. And uh, the reason he's looking shifty eyes is because it's the reason that I, uh, I fired him from Fanboy Buzz. I killed the fanboy buzz. <laughs> Moving on to September 26th, we have The Good Place, which is on NBC. It's season four and its final season, which makes me sad, but I hope they get to end it on a good note. And Thursday Night Football, NFL Network, Fox, Amazon Prime, season 14. That's not why I put that in here. Amazon Prime is going to have football? They signed a deal so that they have the internet broadcasting rights for. Everything after week three, so everything starting week four to the end of the season, any Thursday night game will be broadcast for Amazon Prime viewers. They had it last year, too. And the year before that, I think it was Twitter that had it. I can't remember. And I think it's only U.S. because I think the streaming rights in Canada are elsewhere. Um, But the thing that's interesting about that is I guess they're making a big deal about it being um, this week because I think the Amazon Prime, right, because being the big part there, because... NFL Thursday Night Football started last week on broadcast. Two right? weeks ago, I think. Was it two weeks ago? Already? Yeah, I guess it was it's been on weeks. NFL yeah. Network, though, just That's not right. on regular channels. Oh, I thought it was on regular channels. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. Okay. No, the real interesting thing with this for Thursday Night Football, and this is what I was reading on one of the cord cutting sites I subscribed to, is that Fox is going to be broadcasting Thursday night games in 4K HDR on their app. So if you have a Roku or an Apple TV 4K, if you can sign into the Fox Sports app or the Fox app with your credentials, you can stream Thursday Night Football on 4K HDR. Now, the 4K piece, that's less exciting because they're just upscaling 1080p to 4K, but supposedly it's HDR native that they're sending out, and that could be really cool from a sports perspective. That is, and uh, we've talked about streaming a little bit on here, and I like to hear anything like that. I'm looking forward to the streaming revolution. Continue, Michelle. September 29th, we see The Simpsons. That's Fox season 31. I did not stutter. 31. Bob's Burgers. That's also on Fox season 10. And Robot Chicken Adult Swim season 10. I have to admit, I did not realize Robot Chicken had survived this long. I didn't either, to be honest, Michelle. I I agree. I didn't know that. It's a great show, though. No, It suffers from the same thing South Park does. And I don't mean this in a bad way. But a season is very short because they put out a lot of higher quality episodes is what I would argue. And stop motion animation is super slow to do. Robot chicken. What, what is the robot chicken? I don't it, give me a Have synopsis. Seen it? I've never it's actually on, seen it. I know of it. I don't know okay. what it's about. So it's on Cartoon Network. It's by Seth Green and a bunch of his friends and his production company. And they basically take toys, be them action figures, dolls, things like that. And they do funny sketches with it. You get like a 30 second to two minute long sketch and then they transition on to the next sketch and bring in, they've got crazy voice talent that comes in guest stars all the time. Like Katie Sackhoff's on there, a bunch, a bunch of other characters from TV shows that'll just randomly appear as a guest voice. You're like, the hell's going on? And it touches on pop culture and geek humor and stuff like that. It's, it's really funny. And the old stuff actually holds up really well as, as well. Yeah, because I, I knew of the name. Uh, I didn't know that it was still on. I thought that it would have ended forever ago, given when I remember hearing about it many, many years ago. Um, but I didn't had no idea what it was about. So interesting. Sounds like I'm not missing out. 
<laughs> Chris's face right now. Uh, what else we got, Michelle? October 4th, we have The Blacklist, which is on NBC. That's season seven. And we got Friday Night Smackdown. It's a season premiere that's going to be on Fox. I guess that's wrestling. They signed like a billion plus dollar deal with Fox to move Smackdown to Fox in a prime spot. Supposedly they're getting a spinoff show on Fox Sports 1 that's like a sports center type thing. It's interesting because we're getting a new war when it comes to professional wrestling that it's not really a war, but fanboys would have you think that because you've got Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, and there's a new company called All Elite Wrestling that premieres on October 2nd on TNT with their show called Dynamite. So it's a it's a return back to the Monday Night Wars almost as we had with WWE, WCW. It's interesting. I am more intrigued by the all elite wrestling side of the house because I think the WWE product's kind of boring and stale at this point in time and there's better wrestling on AEW. But that's neither here nor there. I think it's interesting from a fan perspective that there's so much wrestling coming back again. So much wrestling. You should start a podcast with Cody Guff. Yeah, I, I, I approached him with it at one point in time, but I don't think Cody has the time. Well, you should make him make him make him make the time. That's what you should do. Michelle, what else we got? October 6th, we have Batwoman, um, new drama on CW. Supergirl, season five, that's also on CW. The Walking Dead, AMC, season 10. It's been 10 years of The Walking Dead. Wow. Mr. Robot, that's on USA. It's the fourth and final season for that show. And Star Wars Resistance. That is Disney XD slash Disney Channel. It's season two, but also the final season for that show. Hmm. Um, I was curious about the whole CW lineup here and them putting Batwoman and Supergirl on the same night. Do you think that because Supergirl struggled so much last year, they're trying to pair it with a show that has some buzz like Batwoman? Yes. Okay, because that's sort of my theory on it. So that's why I asked it in that manner. <laughs> yeah, Supergirl released a trailer today or an extended one today, really hyping up like the action and a new supervillain, basically saying we're a comic book show now, not a reality mirroring show, which is what happened last year. Oh, I just hope that they do go back to that because honestly, last year was garbage. It was hot garbage. I'll say it. <laughs> Terrible. Starting October 7th, we have a lot of shows premiering um, on the CW. On the 7th, we have Black Lightning in its third season. The 8th, we have Flash, which is six, season six. October 9th, uh, Riverdale. That's the season four premiere. Natchi Nancy Drew, that's a new drama on the CW. October 10th, Supernatural in its 15th and final season. Legacies, which is season two premiere. October 11th, we have Charmed, its second season. And October 15th, we have Arrow in its eighth and final season on the CW. And just as a reminder, Arrow is a half a season this year and correct i'm gonna say it i think that it's a extended part of the series because uh it's pretty obvious that last season was supposed to be the last of this series seemed like that was definitely written that way contrary to what they will have you believe 
I'm of the opinion that uh, Stephen O'Mell's arm was twisted quite heavily to make that happen. That's my opinion. And he's already lined up his next gig post Arrow, too. So, yes, good he, for him. I know. I can't wait for him to join us on this show. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay. I will <laughs> gladly step aside if Stephen O'Mell wants to come join the show. It'll then be the Stephen Squared show as SP and I will both quit so that Stephen Amell and Stephen John Drew can have their show. Sure. Sounds good. I'm, I'm happy to do it. In fact, I will. I will give up the name Stephen just so he's the Stephen on this show. I'll, the I'll, Stephen. I'll just be John Drew. Just, just John Drew. Well, and Stephen Amell's got a gig lined up. And if you believe the rumors, Jared Padalecki on Supernatural has a gig lined up. I was reading today. Supposedly CBS is targeting him to be Walker in the Walker Texas Ranger reboot. Because why <laughs> we're rebooting that show I haven't figured out. The only good thing that came out of it was when Conan O'Brien had the late show and could do the uh, Walker, Texas Ranger lever and pull that from time to time. (laughs) I I was not a Walker fan. And I'm like, why? Why are they doing this to me? But kudos to Jared Padalecki for having a new gig lined up because, hey, network TV, that's going to pay pretty well. So before we move on to the next ones here, let's bounce back to Arrow here. Why is Arrow coming so much later than the other ones? Like, what's what's up with that? Do we know what the reason is for them starting it a week after everybody else? It's because it is 10 episodes long. So when they broke down the year, they had to make sure that the crossover falls a certain way because the crossover is not the season finale of Arrow. A lot of people think it is. It is not. There's going to be more Arrow after Crisis. It keeps stressing that over and over again. And I think that's why it started late. It's all about the timing. Okay, that makes sense. I I forgot about that. I'll admit that. All right, what else is on the list there? Hey, finishing up October, October 20th, we have Watchmen. That's the new drama on HBO, the adaptation of the comic. October 21st, Catherine the Great, also on HBO. I bring that up because it's starring Helen Mirren, and I love Helen Mirren. October 23rd, Castle Rock. That's on Hulu. It's the second season. October 27th, Silicon Valley, HBO, season six. It's its final season. And Barefoot Contessa. I bring this up because it's been 17 seasons of the Barefoot Contessa on on Food Network. I can't believe she's been around this long. Wow. No joke. That's crazy. I was going to say, I'm excited for Silicon Valley. That being said, I'm still like two seasons behind, so I'll get to it eventually. But Great show. Great show. Moving on to November. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. That's season two on Amazon Prime. My mom was happy that was renewed. November 4th, His Dark Materials. That's on HBO. That's new. A lot of people are looking forward to this adaptation. November 10th, Shameless. That's on Showtime. Season 10 for that show as well. November 11th. Blues, Clues, and You. It is a revival of Blues, Clues, and it's going to be on Nickelodeon. (sighs) Is it with the same guy? Is he coming back? No. I thought they had him back in like a cameo or something. Steve was coming back. I thought I'd seen something on Twitter. Oh. Well, that's disappointing. What's the point now? Why bring it back without him? Money? (laughs) All right. Fair (laughs) enough. Fair enough. November 12th, we have The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, also on Disney Plus on the same day, High School Musical, colon, the musical, colon, the series, and The World According to Jeff Globloom, 
which it's Jeff Goldblum. And I think I actually might want to be a Disney Plus subscriber now, knowing that show exists. November 17th, we have the third season of The Crown on Netflix. Ray Donovan, season seven on Showtime. November 20th, another revival, Mad About You, is going to be on Spectrum. I have no idea how to find Spectrum, and I really don't know if I want a revival of Mad About You. November to be determined, Rick and Morty, season four, Adult Swim. Pickle Rick! And December 13th, we have Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. It's going to be season three. And of course, the best television show, The Expanse, Amazon Prime. It's going to be season four. That's a good set of premieres coming towards the end of the year. I have to say that. There's there's a couple gems in there, uh, including that Mad About You uh, reboot that you said you didn't want to watch. Uh, I'm just joking, by the way. I think that's going to be horrendous. But whatever, whatever. Bring it, bring it back. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I am looking forward uh, to the Jack Ryan. I really liked season one. I thought it was a lot of fun. There was a couple towards the beginning of the season that uh, really sort of struggled, but if you stuck through, I thought it was a really good tail end. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to the whole uh, Jeff Goldblum thing, because like you said, Jeff Goldblum, why would you not want anything but Jeff Goldblum? Well, that's fair. The Jeff Goldblum show looks fascinating, and he's made a point of saying he didn't do a ton of research, so he just goes and asks a bunch of questions when he's there. And Jeff Goldblum asking weird random questions and then doing random things. It's going to be gold. Goldblum. Ha! <laughs> Although I think out of these back half ones we talked about here, the one I'm most excited about, and I'm shocked to say this because I've kind of gotten burned out on Star Wars more or less, The Mandalorian, because I saw the trailer and it looks fantastic. And John Favreau is writing and directing a chunk of it. Taika Waititi's guest starring and directing an episode. And it looks like a cowboy wild west kind of thing set in the star wars universe and they're not pulling their punches there's pretty brutal stuff going on it looked like in it and supposedly it's going to be one of the things that disney plus puts out in 4k hdr day one super intrigued to see how this show works out no it's not boba fett it's someone else in mandalorian armor but totally on board really really optimistic about it uh, one of the ones I want to cycle back here and theorize on, Shameless. This is the first season without uh, Emmy Rosen, right? Is that correct? I, I know she was leaving, but I didn't. I haven't watched last season yet. That is correct. That's right. So that'll be interesting to see how it goes without her. Um, I did not watch. So it's probably been about a year now since I binge watched everything else. Uh, I think they could probably get away without her, but we'll see. We will see uh, how I feel as I watched last season. I probably, though, won't watch this season until it's all done and I can binge watch that on a streaming service as well. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the ones that I wanted to sort of bounce back here and talk about is The Good Place. The Good Place, which is coming up here towards uh, the end of the week here, is going to be sad, but I think it's nice to have them end. And that's because The Good Place was a really, really neat concept, especially with how season one was written. And I don't think we necessarily needed a season four, to be honest. I think that they kind of stretched it a little long. I think that probably two seasons was was okay. I've enjoyed it, but I think that I think it would have been okay even just as a one as as a mini series, like as a one time thing. I think it would have been okay there. But I don't I don't I'm not sad that it's going away, to be honest, because there have been a couple plot lines after season one that have kind of made you just 
it's to me, it's kind of felt a little stretched out in some spots. So I'm I'm okay with them wrapping up this year. Chris Farrell, you you watch it as well, right? I'll disagree. I thought the very beginning of season three, they were a little lost and then they course corrected. And I think it's a great show. And I would say kudos to them for deciding to end on their own terms versus having NBC being like, hey, we'll throw more money at you to keep the show going and then stretching it out to a point where it's not sustainable. I love the fact they said, hey, four seasons, that's all we got on this because we're going to finish telling the story we want to tell. How about you, Michelle? If we didn't have season three, we wouldn't have Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> this is true. That's fair. This is true. In the chat room is telling me that I'm wrong, but I, I think I'm right. I think I'm right. Uh, I think season no. two, uh, season two especially, took a little bit, um, dragged on a little bit. I think it dragged on a little bit, especially when you compared it to season one. There was, it almost felt like they're like, let's copy and paste and edit this slightly in a couple of areas in season two. That's sort of what I felt. Yeah. If you love uh, reaction videos, uh, so Kristen Bell and, and Ted Danson knew the twist when they signed on. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why they signed on. The other actors, like Chidi and uh, the other, I'm sorry, I'm blanking right now. There's a great video, and the woman who plays Janet, there's yeah. a great video of them, and the creator is finally like reading the script and doing the big reveal. And their faces are priceless. It's it is a great video. I, I agree. I watched that when that first hit um, the Intersphere, and I thought that it was fantastic. I I like that reaction video. is really worth seeing. What are you all looking forward to coming up here for this season? What's What's your number one highlight? Let's start with you, Michelle. I'm so happy the Expanse got a season four. I love that show. I'm not going to stop singing its praises. How about a runner-up? Aside, of course, from uh, re-watching Inhumans when it hits the Disney Plus service, of course. Not, it's not because I do the Sterling Tribune. But I have to admit, you know, Batwoman, Ruby Rose is awesome. So Batwoman, and of course, I got it, you know, Arrow of last season. But, you know, runner-up is going to be Batwoman because I, I love Ruby Rose. Awesome. How about you, Chris Farrell? Uh, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite when that premieres. I'm really intrigued by that because it's competition. Uh, As soon as this next Wednesday passes, it's the series finale of Suits. That's something I'm really looking forward to seeing how they wrap that show up. Boy, uh, Disney Plus, man. Mandalorian. That's one of the things I'm really looking forward to the most because I have high hopes. And I hope that it brings me back into a world I love which is Star Wars. And I've talked about on here and on other shows how I've kind of fallen a bit out of love with Star Wars because of some of the things that have happened. And I want to fall back in love with that world. Maybe it's not the movies I care about as much, but these series they're starting up, the Obi-Wan Kenobi one and the Mandalorian, I'm super intrigued by. So fingers crossed and I got to get my money worth out of three years of Disney Plus I just bought. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that I'm I'm looking forward to the good place, even though I thought that there's been a couple of stretched out plot lines here and there. I'm looking forward to just seeing what they do with this last season. That's probably the highlight for me, um, only because it's been such such a fun ride overall. Uh, and I will say that I am intrigued. My runner-up, intrigued, cautiously hopeful is Stumptown, but I'm I'm worried. 
because it reminded me of a uh, certain show. The, the way that they first put out the trailers and whatnot reminded me a lot of Whiskey Cavalier, the sort of like mm-hmm. the cutting they did, the action they did, what they put forward. I was, I'm a little worried because there's similarities between the two upfront teases that, that came out and Whiskey Cavalier was hot garbage. So I'm really hoping that we're not in in that category. Um, but I want to also acknowledge Arrow as well because it's nice to see see it finalized. Uh, I think that there's also been a lot of hot garbage in Arrow, but uh, it's time to close it down and let's go ahead and see what they do with that additional. Uh, I don't even want to call it the last season. I want to call it like part two or like, you know, the comeback, Arrow with a comeback. Because I, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like it is just a comeback for Arrow to to really be a part of the crossover. That's all. What are you looking forward to? You can get in touch with us through any of the ways. And you can also chat with us live when we record this on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern. I did ask this openly and had a bunch of people submitting what they were looking forward to. We had someone say Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They're looking forward to 100%. Good show. I agree. I had someone else say Jeff Goldblum's, Goldblum's Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian, Rick and Morty, Silicon Valley. Someone said, usually don't plan to watch new shows anymore. I often come across new show via reruns. Batwoman. Oh, this one's good. We had Inhumans, Inhumans, and Inhumans was submitted as well. <laughs> Obviously, that's a troll. Uh, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS Los Angeles, Law & Order SVU. Uh, I love good crime drama as well. I'll go ahead and say that. Someone said Stumptown as well. Someone said All Elite Wrestling colon Dynamite Roll. Oh, sorry. That's Dynamite. My my apologies. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with the CW-verse as we head into the new year once everything's all blown up. That's overall going to be where I'm looking for for the future. I'm, you know, everything else said, even with like, Good Place finale with Brooklyn Nine-Nine coming back, all these other staples and whatnot that I enjoy. I am really, really, really looking forward to seeing what is in store for the CW-verse after the crossover because it is really like it could be just a complete different thing. I'm looking forward to it, seeing where it goes. That's going to be fun to watch. And also here, when we listen to the Starling Tribune, which is a podcast on the Gunna Geek Network, and you can find that at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Well, Michelle, thank you for coming on here. Greatly appreciate that. We appreciate you putting everything together and also making sure to tell me how right I am about Inhumans because, you know, I I hear that I was right. I hear that you think that I was right and that you think they should bring back season two. That's what I heard. Well, I really want to be a good friend here. And I think I should be when it's like, uh, Stephen, I, I, I really... Reality needs to come into that bubble. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll stop mentioning Inhumans after this episode, but I think it was this time last, was two years no, ago. This won't. time two years ago, I was. He yeah, won't do that's it. That's true. That's he true. He loves the Inhumans. It's his favorite <laughs> In- television program of all time. Inhumans was so poorly received that ABC didn't even officially cancel it. No, they didn't. They just stopped referencing it on it on their website and stuff it it's like they just were like in humans what it's like humans the, it's like the cape is what you're saying on nbc oh that's so true so true yeah uh, six seasons in a movie well before we go chris farrell do you have anything that you want to plug or promote 
uh, go watch Stevens and Humans fan cast at stevenhartinhumans.com. You're going to love it, I promise. Michelle? Uh, again, I'm on the Starlight Tribune with Chris and SP and Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. with SP, Lauren, and Agent Haley. So come by, hear us talk geeky things. And we should acknowledge that's coming sometime in 2020. We don't know the exact date yet, but sometime in 2020 is when the next and final uh, season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be premiering. When's the next season of Inhumans, Stephen? You should know. StephenHartInHumans.com On that note, for episode 303 of the official GetAGeek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying maybe, just maybe, I will finish Inhumans one day. Maybe. I'm Michelle saying I'm not an artificial photo. I'm Chris saying as bad as Inhumans was, the cape was worse. Wow. That that is so true. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Keith David couldn't save that show. (laughs) Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.